Well, as they're getting seated, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who's taken part in our, our Bible journey. Uh, it has been a neat February to be able to take part in, in what, what uh, God is doing as we read the Bible together. If, if you didn't know, we were reading through uh, some of the Bible together, not the whole Bible. That, it wasn't that kind of Bible journey. We're not quite there yet, but, but some of us were participating in this, in this opportunity to read uh, through a specific Bible reading plan, the, the five by five by five reading plan, where you read for five minutes a day, five days a week, with five more ways to, to plug in or dig it a little bit deeper. And, and if you did that, I hope it was a fruitful opportunity for you to get into the Word. Uh, if you've never done that before, this is a great way to get started. Now, maybe some of you are, are veterans in the Word, and you're reading chapters upon chapters, and you've got it memorized, and that is excellent. But uh, whatever the, the case, whatever stage of, of pursuing the Word of God, my encouragement would be, please don't let it end in February. Please don't uh, be done with this. This is a journey that, that lasts uh, forever. And so thank you for taking part in that. I, I pray that you'd continue and, and you'd glean from the Word and grow with, grow with the Lord in it. Uh, <clears throat> last week and, and three weeks ago, we, we were talking about Discipleship. Now, some of you came to our Life of Grace breakfast and you heard us talking about the five values, lordship, evangelism, discipleship, leadership, development, and family. Those are the five values that we have as a church that really uh, shape the atmosphere of who we are. Uh, it, it, it's a grid through which we determine whether we do things or don't do things and how we do those things. And, and discipleship is one of those key pieces of the puzzle. And so the question that I've been trying to answer is, is what does discipleship look like? Because it's a word that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. It can mean uh, I'm going to Sunday school and I'm learning uh, what the Bible says. Or it can mean I'm going to a Bible study. Or it can mean I'm being mentored by so-and-so. Or it can mean any number of different things. But I wanted to get down to the lowest common denominator and figure out, okay, what does the Bible say when it talks about following God? You know, Jesus... One of his last words before he, uh, he leaves his disciples, he says, um, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. He says, go and make disciples. So if we're called to go and make disciples, and, and, and by implication, be disciples, it's important that we know what that even means. <clears throat> and so last, or three weeks ago, we talked about the fact that part of being a disciple is following and we follow a God who is worthy. We follow Christ who is our Lord. He is worthy of being followed. The temptation in life is to follow something that's not worth your life's devotion. Whether it's a person or an activity or a desire, these things, they're, they're all not ultimate. A lot of them are good. Marriage is good. Entertainment can be good. Food is good. But when we make a good thing an ultimate thing, we, we set it out of order. And rather, we want to follow Jesus Christ, who is our ultimate Lord. Then last week, we talked about the cost of discipleship, that it costs everything. That when you, when you choose to follow Jesus, you choose to die to yourself every day. Daily take up your cross and follow him in all areas of your life. But when you do that, you receive everything you need. That you lose everything in, in order to really to ultimately to gain everything. And today... I want to talk about the fact that we want to live and love like God. So go into your Bibles uh, to Ephesians, that's in the New Testament, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. 
We're going to read Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. If you're new, you may not know this, but as a congregation, we like to stand up and read the Word of God together, to hear the Word said by our neighbor and to say it ourselves. And so, yes, please stand with me as we read this Word together. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are our Father. That when you chose to bring about salvation, you didn't just choose to select a people to, to save from judgment, but you chose a people to become your family. That as Paul says, that we are adopted into your family. Uh, God, you are our father. Jesus, you are our elder brother. And we are part of your family. Father, help us to be imitators of you. Help us to, because of your gospel promises, because of your gospel salvation, because of the work that Jesus Christ did, I pray that we would be able to respond by imitating our heavenly father and by imitating our elder brother in love. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Paul boils down our responsibility in terms of discipleship in four words, actually three in the Greek, but four words for us. Be imitators of God. Be imitators of God. Now, it's interesting. This is really the only place in the Bible where we're called to imitate God. Now, in other places, Paul says to imitate him or to imitate Jesus, but here he specifically says, imitate God. And so the question is, okay, what does that look like? When, when Paul is talking about God, usually he's talking about God the Father, who we understand is invisible, he's a spirit, he's not someone with a body. And so the question is, what does it look like to follow someone who is invisible? Because if you do it wrong, it looks a little crazy. Why are you walking around like that? Well, I'm following following nothing. What does it look like to actually follow God? Well, he, he explains in the second part of that verse, as beloved children. Now, if you are a parent of a 30-year-old or older, um, you remember like gigantic diapers. Not like the, the, the space-age aerodynamic diapers of today, which are somehow a thin piece of, of material that, that sucks all the bad stuff out and keeps your baby's bottom so, so soft, but it, it, it's this like sack of plastic, right? And there is a picture that none of you have or will ever have of me in such a sack. However, it's interesting, my dad was in the army and, and every day he would come home uh, from, from being in the army, take off his cap. He had one of those envelope-style caps. Uh, he'd put his aviator sunglasses, because it was the 80s, and of course, and he'd put them in there, take off his, you know, uh, I don't know, whatever kinds of fancy shoes that, that you wore in the army. I didn't, I wasn't in the army. Some of you can just look at me with shame and disgust, and that's fine. Um, and, and he would take those things off, put them to the side, and, and you know, get settled for the end of the day. And the picture that they have is of me in my diaper sack, you know, as a maybe one-year-old or less, glasses, I think the cap, I can't remember, and the shoes. And I was 
I wanted to be my dad. And my, this is what my dad looked like. This is what he, this is what he was. And I have the privilege of, of, you know, I've got some pictures of some of my children uh, in, in some of my footwear and, and very little else. And, and, and it's this neat thing of seeing your child wanting to look like you, to be like you. I was imitating what I'd seen my father do. And if you've heard the gospel news that Jesus has died on the cross for your sins in your place, and he's offered eternal life to you through repentance and faith, then God is your father. He's not just your savior. He's not just your Lord. He's your father. It says in Ephesians chapter one that we've been adopted as sons and daughters. In love, it says in verse five, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. He had planned before the foundation of the world to make us sons. Now, it says specifically sons because sons received an inheritance. So daughters, you, it's not that he doesn't love daughters. It's, it's, he loves you so much that he wants you to have an inheritance. We are adopted into his family. And so the question is, okay, well, if, if my father was in the army, he had the cap and the glasses and the, and the, and the shoes, and that's how you, you, you walked in that, what does it look like for us to imitate God? What does he mean there? Well, it says in, in verse 1, therefore, be imitators of God. And, and therefore indicates that there was some stuff that came before in the text that we need to pay attention to. If you look at chapter 4, verse 32, he says this. And he's actually been going through a number of things, like this is how I want you to live, and, and some ethical uh, rules for living. But he says in verse 2, verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. I'm going to read it again. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And then he says this, as Christ forgave you. And then verse 1 of chapter 5 says, therefore, be imitators of God. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as, how, how should we forgive? How forgiving should I be? How many times do I have to forgive? Well, only as many as God. As God in Christ has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God. So Paul is telling us, you want to know what it looks like to imitate God? Imitate God in his loving kindness. Imitate God in his, in his tenderness. What do you need to forgive today? Who do you need to forgive today? For some of you, I asked who you need to forgive. I mentioned forgiveness and someone's face came to mind and you got a little angry. Maybe not, but I mean, if you're like me, then that's what happened. You know, God, the way he moves in his, in his spirit and his word is you read certain things and, and you get offended or, or you get a little heart, heart pushback. You're like, I don't know. okay, I'm gonna skip that. That's the area that God is wanting to address. Who, who do you need to be loving toward today? And you might be thinking to yourself, well, I'll forgive them when, or I'll, I'll be loving when, or I'll be tenderhearted when they're tenderhearted to me. And, and the problem with that is that we're called to be imitators of, of not ourselves, not the world around us, but who? God our Father. And he has loved us in what way? He's been forgiving. We're to forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. And you know this as a parent. If you're a parent, you have some experience with this because, uh, well, if you've got multiple kids who fight with one another, um, because they will fight with one another, or I've heard this is the case, uh, they will fight with one another, and you, you, you say to them, be kind to one another. And they look at you like, 
You don't even know how mean my brother was to me. You don't even know how mean and, and annoying my sister was to me. And, and you're thinking to yourself, I do know, because sometimes you challenge me in the way that you behave with such a degree of passion that I feel things that are not godly toward you. I mean to say that in the most loving of ways, but you're looking at this child saying, you have no idea what you're talking about. I do know. You need to be loving and kind and tenderhearted. And, and sometimes we look at God and say, God, you have no idea what you're talking about. And God is, he's more patient than me, so he's probably not, you know, pulling at his hair or frustrated, but he is saying, I, I, I might have an idea. I might have an idea of, of the kind of forgiveness that needs to be extended. Because he's our father. And he's our father despite ourselves. While we were still dead in our trespasses, it says in Romans, Christ died for us. Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't die for those who were like, I'm coming, Jesus. I want to follow you. No, he died for us when we were like, "Mm, I don't want to. You know, that's when he engages us with love. That's when he says, I love you, Eddie. When Eddie's like, make it better. This is terrible. My life is hard. And Jesus is on the cross like, Lord, help him. (laughs) Father, help him. And so he does know because he is our father and he chose to be our father before we wanted to be his son or daughter. We're called to love in a pretty radical way. Love like God. Imitate God. Then he goes on to say that we're to walk in love. We're to walk in love. Now, uh, the reality of my life is that my shoes affect a whole lot. Um, I've gotten to the place in my life, in the age in my life, where my bones don't just do whatever and my joints don't, don't just do whatever. And they're like, we're totally awesome because we're in our 20s or our teens and we can do whatever. Let's do jumping jacks and run and, and then let's just stay up late. And then the next day we'll be completely okay. Now there's like pain and, 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 and you're, you're trying to figure out why is there pain? And it's just because you live, you know? And so ch- your choice of shoes has some sort of bearing. And I've got these Brooks brand running shoes, they're ugly as sin, but they, they're amazing. You put them on and I feel like I can do stuff, you know? I, you know, I have a pep in my step and I can jump and run and, and everything feels good because my shoes affect so much more of the alignment of my whatever and the such and such bone is connected to the such and such bone and um, if my eldest son was in here, he'd be like, Daddy, come on, it's the femur, it's the ulna. You know these things, the patella, et cetera, and so forth. But, but I have these shoes, and they're, they're, they affect my walk. And so when I, when I wear them, as goofy as I look, I feel great. And I'm walking, and I, I can run, and I can walk, I can jump. And, 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 but I'm not wearing those today because it would look really weird, and they're, they're ugly. I, I wear these, these shoes, which they're, they're relatively not ugly. Um, and they're made of leather, which I appreciate. Uh, I like that. Um, they match my leather bag, and they're heavy, and I think there might be a hole in them somewhere. When it rains, the rain does not stay out. Um, it gets in. 
But Jermaine is like, I'm going to help you. Uh, Jermaine has as many shoes as I have books. <laughs> no, no. Hey, respect the man. I, I, that is not a criticism. That is just an observation. <laughs> so what I was trying to say is, these shoes are the shoes I wear to not look weird, but they, uh, they're not very comfortable. And they're not all day long shoes. And if they become all day long shoes, then my knees become not all day long knees. And my back becomes all day, not all day long. And, and you know, you begin to do things where you're like, you, you do this and, and parts of your body you didn't know, know could crack begin to crack. And, and your shoes matter. Now that was a belabored illustration that hopefully you won't remember just the illustration. The point of it is that Paul calls us to walk in what? In love. And I think... You know, he, he says walk, and some of your Bibles will say, you know, live in love or, or have a lifestyle of love. And the point is that we are to walk and every day put on shoes of love. Amen. So that when we walk, it's love that's shaping our stride. Love that's determining our gait. Love that's, that's shaping the way we live. It's love that's aligning the rest of our life and our body. He says walk in love. We need to take off other shoes that we have. Sometimes we put on shoes of impatience. And, uh, you know, you wake up on the wrong side, you know, I'm going to put on these grumpy shoes. And, uh, you know, if you're a parent, you're like, yes, I think those are the only shoes. (laughs) Trying to find some other shoes, but uh, they hide them. And they don't even take the grumpy shoes off when they go to bed. But, but God is saying, you know what? You've got a lot of shoes that you walk with and they affect every aspect of your life. And I'm telling you, you need to walk with these love shoes on. You need to not take them off when you're having a conversation with someone you don't like. You know, it's not one of the things where you're like, oh, I'm talking to so-and-so. Let me put these other shoes on, these boxing shoes. You know, I gotta get ready. I'm like, Let's do this. No, keep the love shoes. Walk in love. All joking aside, the, the, the language of walking is the language of, of living a particular way. I mean, you, you, you remember when the Vibrams came out? The, Vi, the Vibram shoes, they're, they're like little glove shoes. And if you wear them, God bless you. Um, but those shoes indicate a particular lifestyle of which I am wholly alien to. Right? You might as well be wearing like I don't know. Yeah, space shoes. Thank you. Like that's, I don't know. But it, it indicates, if I'm wearing Vibrams, I'm not just a runner. Like I want to feel the ground that I'm walking. I want to I touch the ground with my toes. So uh, if you don't know, okay, Vibrams are, they literally like gloves for your feet. So you can see toes and, and, and it, it, I guess it helps with, I don't know, running fast. <laughs> but but if, you, if you wear those, it, it indicates a particular lifestyle. And, and when, when you are walking with love, it's intended to indicate a particular lifestyle, a lifestyle that's shaped by love. Okay, but, but what does that love look like? That's the question we want to consider. What it, you know, is, it, is it my kind of love? Because my kind of love is, is I love certain people. So maybe my shoes only ter- take me to certain places, right? My, if, I'm, if I'm making these love shoes, if, if these are Eddie, brand, Eddie, Eddie Barnes brand love shoes, then when I go to a certain places, they're just going to do this, and I'm going to make a U-turn, 
And I'm not going over there because the love shoes don't take me over there. They'll take me over here where people are nice to me and where I, I'm having a good time. They don't take me over here where I have a conflict with, with my coworker or I have a conflict with a family member or you know, someone said something unkind to me. You know, the, 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 my love shoes will, will push on the gas when someone cuts me off and, and I'll go around. And all of a sudden, uh, they're, they're not taking me to a good place. So what, is, what does Paul say that these, if you'll let me continue with this ridiculous analogy, love shoes look like? It says in verse two, walk in love as Christ loved us. And in case there's any question of what he means by that, he goes on and says, and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And in the, in the original language, it's not just a fragrant offering and a sacrifice. It's an offering and sacrifice for a fragrant aroma. Like the, the ultimate purpose is to, to create this aroma, this, this life that, that, that exudes an aroma that's pleasing to God. And that it exudes that pleasing aroma by death. Right? So, so when, we, when we hear the idea of sacrifice, we have to go all the way back to the Old Testament. That's where the picture begins. And, and in the Old Testament, they would take the animal and, and they would sacrifice the animal. And really, they would take the fatty parts and, and they would basically, basically barbecue them. And, and whatever your opinion is about eating meat or not eating meat, barbecued fat smells really good. <laughs> I mean, just drive down to Mission Barbecue. You don't have to go in. If you're not into that, that's fine. Just go smell it. it smells good. If you don't agree with me, sanctification is happening. It's okay. Um... And so he's saying, live a particular lifestyle where you give your life in the same way that Christ gave and sacrificed his life as a pleasing sacrifice that then created an aroma that, that made God's mouth water. Again, to extend the language a little bit further than maybe it should be. When we walk in love, we don't just make it up as we go. We don't get to define what love looks like. Right? So many times the Bible defines love for us. It says in, in 1 John, I'll, I'll go there, 1 John um, chapter 4, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. That's not what I wanted. Um, it's in Romans, I guess. Romans, it says that uh, this is the love of God, that, that Christ laid down his life for his friends. Um, Google it, I promise it's in there. He, he defines love as, as what Christ did. Not a particular feeling, not, not just a, you know, an affection, although the affection should follow, but there's an active, self-sacrificing nature to God's love. There's an initiating, giving nature to God's love. For God so loved the world, uh, it says in John chapter 3, 16, uh, that he what? He gave his only begotten. There's a generosity to God's love. When we think about love, we're not just saying, He's not just saying, you know what, write some nice cards and say some nice words. No, he's saying, give things. Give your life. Give yourself up. We, we saw it last week when we, when we talked about discipleship. And, and he said, if you want to follow me, and really we're following Jesus into this walk of love, then what, you take up your cross daily and follow me. You die. Right? Our love, our lifestyle is defined by self Denial by death. 
We walk in love like Jesus. We love because Jesus first loved. You know, this is, sometimes we can get to the imperatives of scripture, you know, love like Jesus. And, and we kind of, we feel like we're walking on a pier and we run out of, we run out of pier and we're, we're, we're tumbling down. We're like, God, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. Have you, have you met my spouse? Have you met my, my friend? Have you met my mom or dad? Have you met my boss? And, and we say, God, I can't love them. And, and we, we feel like we're being honest with ourselves when we say we can't. I'm not just saying you don't want to, but sometimes you feel like I can't. I can't obey this. And what Jesus says is, is don't just do this in a vacuum, but he's saying, do the thing that I did for you. And, and there's something that happens when we engage our faith, believing the gospel for a particular situation. Right? Walking out this faith in Jesus Christ, being a disciple is more than just having a mental ascent at the beginning of your, your walk of faith and saying, Jesus, you know, I believe that you died for my sins and rose again. I'm gonna live my life for you. It's more than just coming to the altar and, and, and praying a prayer at a particular moment. It, it's, it's this thing where you reflect on the gospel, where you look at Jesus and what he did today and allow that to, to inform and then empower you to live a particular way. You know, it's entirely possible that apart from Jesus Christ, you couldn't have loved your parents. They've hurt you, they've, they've damaged you, they made mistakes, they, they did things that were terrible, and it's, it's possible that b- before Christ, you could not. But in Christ, because of Christ, standing on the foundation of Christ, you can. It's possible that, that before Christ, you couldn't respect your boss. You couldn't walk in, 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 in integrity. You, you can. You just didn't want to to such a degree that you couldn't. That's the kind of can't I'm talking about. I'm not talking about physically being restrained from doing things, but, but you so struggled in your desires that you couldn't. But when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, one of the things that he does is he, he changes our desires. And, and we begin to desire the right things and we're empowered to do the right things because we desire the right things. He says to walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice. The call to discipleship is a drastic call. And we've been talking about that. It's, it's, a, it's a radical call. He doesn't just call you to... To, to have a hobby, right? Christianity isn't a hobby. If it's a hobby, it's nothing at all. Amen. If it's a hobby for you, I love you, but you're not doing Christianity. Christianity is, is it's these shoes that you wear, but you don't take them off. But the, the good news is, is these shoes were, were formed in the factory of God's grace. I mean, to just keep going with this ridiculous analogy. They're formed by the, 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 the pierced hands of Jesus Christ. They're not formed by someone who is foreign and doesn't understand suffering, who's, who doesn't understand pain, who doesn't understand brokenness and, and betrayal. Now, Jesus understands betrayal. He understands rejection. He understands hate. He understands um, suffering. He understands pain because he experienced it all. And he's the one person who didn't deserve any of it. 
And it's when we begin to reflect on the person that we're following, the person who's so worth it, that we can, we can put on these shoes and we can do these things. He says to walk in love. And, and he goes on to explain what that looks like in more detail. And I would encourage you to read chapter four and five because um, his imperative, his commands get very specific. I mean, in chapter four, he talks about um, loving our neighbor, being kind to one another, not letting bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be with us, but putting it away along with malice. We, w- we want to be the kind of people who are, are, are kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven us. We're to imitate God, but we don't imitate in a vacuum. We imitate God because he's made it possible for us to do so. If you're in this room and, and you're struggling to walk in love, you're struggling to walk in forgiveness. You're struggling to find yourself to be tender-hearted towards some people. You're struggling not to be angry and bitter and, and slanderous or, or, or you know, clamorous, as he says. If that's your struggle, my encouragement to you is not to try harder as much as it is to look at Jesus. Right? When we imitate Jesus, we don't just kind of look at ourselves. This is not imitation of someone else. You know, follow me. I can't follow someone if I'm looking at my own shoes. Right? It, we see this if you ever go in D.C. because people are on their phones and, and they bump into each other. You know, you can't follow people. You can't walk rightly if your head is down. We have to look at Jesus. We, we, we need to look and, and be honest about the kind of life that he lived. You know, take him down from this kind of religious, oh, you know, Jesus died for my sin. But what does that actually look like? I mean, he had, indica- he had these, these, these situations with his, his family members where he was teaching and preaching, and they thought he was crazy, and they were like, all right, Jesus, hey, buddy, let's go back, you know. And they were trying to, to kind of usher him away from people because they thought he was crazy. Do you feel like your parents think you're crazy? Do you feel like your, your spouse thinks you're crazy? Jesus understands. You look to Jesus. Do you feel rejected? Do you feel um, humiliated? Do you feel in pain? Jesus understands. Right? He's, he's the God of the universe. Pretty big deal. And, and the night that he's like praying and asking God, help me, at the pinnacle of my, my ministry, his friends are falling asleep. And, and the next day, some guys come up and... and and they're like, you know, are you Jesus? And they come to arrest him. And he says, I am he. And everyone falls down. Right? He, he expresses a kind of power where everyone just falls down. And still, his disciples flee and, and freak out. He understands. He says, walk in love, but don't just do it in a vacuum. Do it as Christ has already loved you. Family, Christ has loved you radically. Hear that for your own soul. Christ has loved you radically. And he loves you now. If you're in this room and you you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he's saying to you, come to me. Come and put your faith, put your trust in me. Try on these shoes. Try on these shoes. I made them myself. Let's pray.
God, thank you that you love us. Thank you, Father, that you have adopted us for that for, for those who have expressed faith in Jesus Christ you have you've brought you haven't just brought us out of condemnation and into righteousness but you've brought us into your family you've adopted us co- completely and wholly warts and all you've given us your holy spirit who changes and transforms us by by your word and and you've given us your presence you've given us a, an older brother in Jesus Christ who is made a way for us. If you're in this room and you have never put your trust in Jesus Christ, but you want to today, you want to trust him to be your Lord and Savior, I'd love for you to raise your hand. Not, there's nothing magical in the raising of your hand. It's just a way of responding with your body of what God is doing in your, in your heart. If that's you, you, just raise your hand and once you put your hand up, you can put it back down. Great. And just pray this with me. God, I want to follow you. I want to turn away from sin, everything I know to be sin, and and every way that I've tried to lead my own life. And I want to follow you. Lead me, teach me, change me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If that was you, please let us talk to you. We'd love to talk to you, help you to begin to walk this out. We've got a class next week, the Discover Discipleship class, that, that kind of walks out the specifics of what it means to walk in love. Um, family, I love you. More importantly, God loves you. Thanks. Thanks.